to dive back into the series that we have been in over the last uh, few months. And we're walking through the book of Proverbs and the proverbial life. And, and I've said this every week that in the book of Proverbs, what do we see? We see God's wisdom. He had a design. He had a plan. And the question is, will we submit to his plan and his way of doing things? Or are we going to do our own things? And what Proverbs says over and over again is if we'll submit to God's plans, it's actually blessing in our lives. It's actually positive things that will take place in our lives if we will submit to his ways. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. We've been doing this the last, you know, several months. We've had topics such as uh, we talked about alcohol. You remember that? And I talked to a number of you. You had to wrestle that whole idea a little bit. Uh, We talked about sex and sexuality a few weeks ago. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back and watch that. Wrestling, okay, what does this look like in relation to God? Lastly, we talked about words. And actually, I had a couple people share that they were challenged in other areas of their lives because they noticed that their words were a reflection of something deeper that was going on. And so it's really good and encouraging that you say, okay, God, what are you trying to say in me? And so I would encourage you in that message as well. But today, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about. I'm going to sing it for you. Ready? Money, 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 money. Sing it with me. Money. There we go. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate that. We're going to talk about money today. When my wife heard I was going to sing, she said, I'm going to be really uncomfortable by that, Greg. I said, just for you, sweetheart. I love you that much. All right. We're talking about money today. And uh, just saying the word money or finances, some of you like break out into a hot sweat. Because like money is just stressful for you. When you have to think about money, it's just like overwhelming. I don't want to talk about that, Greg. I come to church to get away from some of that stuff. I don't want to think about that. Like money can be stressful. I get it. Like I'm, I'm fairly good with our money, but it still sometimes can be stressful for me. And then you have like the current financial state that we have in our, in our country where it just seems like everything's expensive. You know what I'm talking about? Like everything is more expensive. Does it make anyone else nauseous that we just got excited the gas went under $4? Okay? Like... I can't believe I'm excited about this, but I am. I'm jacked up. 377 by my house. It's amazing. Okay? But, but we don't like to talk about it because it's stressful. But my guess is there's some of you, when we talk about money, it's just painful. Uh, maybe for you, uh, you've gone through a challenging season in your life, and the result is that it's caused you some financial challenges, and you're just struggling with that. For, for some of you, it's possible that your biggest fight in your home, the biggest tension in your home is related to money. And you're constantly bickering and frustrated and angry and fighting about these kind of things. And it breeds just pain in your home. I think a lot of us can relate to that. I talk to many people who are are walking through things like that. And so I don't talk about money because this is like the fun thing again. Um, How many like going to the dentist? Anybody like going to the dentist? Yeah, hardly anybody. I actually do. I'm one of the weird people. I like Most people don't like going to the dentist, okay? Most don't like it. But you go. Why? Because you know you need to. Okay, so today's message isn't like a yay, we're going to talk about money because we need to. This is every single one of us deals with this. Every single one of us encounters this. The question is, will we look at what God has to say about this? In the book of Proverbs, I could literally do a six-week series just on what Proverbs has to say about our money and our stuff. It's full of stuff. And so if you're not reading Proverbs regularly, just go to it because there is wisdom for you. But this morning, we're going to dig in. And I think every one of us, if we, we will have at least one nugget every one of us can take away from this morning if you'll open your ears and open your hearts, all right? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse number 13, all right? Would you stand with me? It's our tradition around here, nothing sacred about it. It's just what we do to honor God's word. As we read together, Proverbs 3, verse 13 says this, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. 
Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us today. Uh, help us not to hear what I have to say. Help, help us to hear what you have to say. And God, I pray that we wouldn't be responding to my words, but we'd be responding to your spirit. I pray that in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can be seated. So I love these three little verses that we just read together uh, because it sets up this comparison. It says that wisdom is more valuable than money. Think about it for a second. You go to your average four-year-old and you tell them you can have wisdom or you can have money. What are they going to say? Money. Okay. You go to a 20-year-old and say you can have wisdom or you can have money. What are they going to take? Most of them are going to take money. The sad fact is that it isn't until we're old and have wisdom that we realize how valuable it actually is. Right? Like, it, like, and so, so young people, you can learn. I know that we don't look that smart, okay? But, but God's given us, we've learned things in time and there is wisdom. And God will say the same thing. If we will rather than try and figure it out on our own, if we'll heed what he has to say, there's good things. And so he's, listen, wisdom is more valuable than money. But today what we're gonna say is, God, what is your wisdom for the money? How many of you have ever made a stupid purchase in your life, okay? We've all done that, Right? You buy that thing, and in the moment, like, it feels great. I'm going to buy the thing. This is awesome. And then you realize, that was stupid. Why did, I, why did I do that? I regret that decision immediately. I can't take it back. I wish I hadn't have done that. We all do that. And why does that happen? It's in moments where we don't see God's wisdom. We don't ask, what do you want, Lord? It's just like we react in the moment. We just get a little impulsive and do something. And so today we're going to step back and say, okay, God, what are some of these things? What's some of the wisdom you have for us? And so we're going to walk through a bunch of do's and don'ts. Now, most of us don't like to hear do's and don'ts, right? We don't want that idea. But Proverbs has a bunch of do's and don'ts when it comes to finances. And it isn't the kind of do's and don'ts that we're used to, like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. No, the do's and don'ts are this. It's like, hey, if you do these things, it's going to be really good for you. It's going to be healthy. And if you don't do these things, it's going to be really good for you. But if you do the things you shouldn't, it's going to be painful. And if you don't do the things that you should, it's going to be painful in your life, okay? So we need to hear it with that lens this morning. So I'm going to give you a whole list of things. You may want to take some notes here this morning and write some stuff down. We're going to give a list of don'ts and a list of do's. We'll start here with me. I'll move as quickly as I can. Number one, for don'ts, don't be consumed by money or wealth. The passage we just looked at, listen, a lot of us get consumed. I want, I want money. I want money. He's like, that's a bad God. That is a bad thing to focus your life on. It will actually be toxic in your life if that's the thing you focus on. And so we have to fight it. The world that we're in is saying, no, it's all about the wealth. Get the wealth. No, 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 no. That's going to kill you. Don't do that. All right? Number two is this. Don't get trapped in debt. How many can say amen to that one, right? Look at this. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. All of us know what that's like. You've made that purchase. You know what I'm saying? Like, you bought that thing and it's like, oh, just three years, you know, you know, interest rate free financing, you know what I'm saying, right? Nobody, I'm going to buy that. Oh, I can buy this car. It's just five years of a payment. The problem is four years into that thing, you don't even like the thing you bought anymore, but you still owe money on it. We've all done that before. Regret it. We feel the burden. And when you get in that place, you're like, ah, oh, it feels like a weight on you. I can't get under, out from underneath of this weight. It's so frustrating. That's what he's saying. Listen, don't don't get trapped in bed. It will suffocate you. It will suck the life. It'll feel good in the moment. When you get the new thing, you're like, yay, I got the new thing. But it will suffocate you, all right? Don't get trapped in debt. We go to number three, and it's this. Don't take advantage of the poor. It's a very practical thing. He says, don't take advantage. He says, do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. 
Like, what does this have to do with my life? Sometimes when we have means, we can take advantage of those who don't, right? We, we can, rather than caring for others, we only care about ourselves. And he's saying, listen, just because you have wealth doesn't mean that you have to just think about you. You still have to think. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we must think and care for the other, all right? It goes on, number four, it says this, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Anybody know who the Joneses are? You live next door to them, right? You go to school with them. You're at work with them. Whoever it is, whoever in your life, you're like, they always got the stuff. I want to have the stuff like they have. He said, don't keep up with the Joneses. What does it say in Proverbs 12, 9? Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than to pretend to be somebody and have no food, (laughs) okay? Somebody needs to hear that today. All right, here's the deal. A lot of times in life, we're trying to keep up with everybody else. Well, they bought it, so therefore I have to buy it. Here's the dirty little secret. They couldn't afford it either, right? They're still making payments for the next five years to buy that thing, to feel like they got all their stuff together. And now you, by buying it to keep up with them, have just burdened yourself with the same problem, okay? This is the world. We can't just try to keep up with Jones. When we do that, we end up destroying ourselves financially. It's like, no, don't worry about that. Be content with some things, all right? We move on to number five. Number five, don't have a scarcity mindset. Scripture talks about this a lot. We can have, what is a scarcity mindset? It's to think like, I just got to care about me. Oh, there's not enough out there. I got to be consumed with what do I have? It's all about me, my world. What do I've got going, right? And it says this, it says, one person freely gives yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. Scripture always talks about when, when you withhold, it actually kills you. You think you're protecting your stuff. You think it's, it's all about me, my world, and my money, and all of my stuff. You think it's good for you. You're killing yourself when you do that. It's actually destroying you. It's, the, it's an unhealthy mindset when it's all about us, all right? So those are some of the don'ts. Don't do those things. Then we're going to go to the do's. Here's, here's some things we should do. Number one, be satisfied with little. Be satisfied with little. What does it say? 17.1. Better a dry crust. Doesn't that sound yummy? A dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. I'm going I'm to be honest. Some of us, what do we do? Because we want the stuff, we want more stuff, more things, what do we do? We work crazy hours. We work extra jobs, right? And we buy things we can't afford, which then produces more pain and stress. Our marriages get frustrated. Our, our, our homes are, are toxic. It's painful all because we need more money to buy more things that actually is destroying us. And you say, you know what? Be satisfied with little. If we can learn to be satisfied with a little bit less, guess what? Maybe you, you don't need to work every hour so that you have more money to buy more things. What if you would say, you know what? I don't need to buy so many things. So we could have a little more peace in our home. We could actually have a relationship. Me and my spouse could see each other rather than we're constantly never seeing one another. Like there'd be wisdom in that. To be satisfied with little could bring peace and health to your home. Number two, it's what? Work hard. Work hard. You might say, well, you just told me just not to not. You just got to chill out. Well, some of you need to work hard. <laughs> okay, sometimes we do, the issue is we have financial problems because we're not willing to work hard. And specifically, sometimes we're not willing to work hard on our finances, we got problems in our finances. We got struggles in our finances. And what do we do? Bury our head in the sand. 
Hey, we don't want to, I don't want to look at that. I don't want, oh, it's stressful. I'm just not going to think about it. It'll go away. It ain't going to go away. Okay, those financial burdens don't go away. We have to learn how to deal with them. And so we need to work hard. Those who work hard will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Some people think, oh, I'm just going to buy a lotto ticket. It's going to solve all my problems, right? Buy a lotto to solve my problem. No, you just need to get a job and work hard sometimes. You need to work a little bit harder. If you've ever seen the statistics of those who win the lottery, a lot of the people who, who win the lottery end up having financial problems. Why? Because they weren't working hard. They weren't good with their finances to begin with. You give them more money, it just causes more problems, right? You heard that, right? More money, more problems, exactly, all right? And so that, that's another thing to think about, okay? We go on, and it's this, number three. It says, choose generosity. Choose generosity. Like, it's a choice you have to make. It isn't just something that we naturally do. Naturally, what do we do? Remember, you get a two-year-old, bunch of two-year-olds around, and what do they do? Mine, 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 mine. The natural thing is, no, it's all about me. What am I going to get? I want my thing. And he's saying, no, rather than that, let's choose generosity. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And you're like, generosity is all about God trying to suck my money. Nope. He's saying, listen, this will be blessing in your life. You know who's the most happy, joy-filled people in, in the world? Generous people. Why? Because when you get into this withholding mindset, this posture that says, oh, there's not enough resources, it's all about, I just got to take care of myself, it's toxic to your soul. But when you begin to open your hands up and say, you know what, I want to give to other people. It's not about me. It's not just my money. It's, it's my time. It's my energy. It's my gifting. If I begin to have this posture to my life, it breathes life. And it says, listen, you'll actually be refreshed. This is the best thing for you. And so what do you have in your hands that you can be generous with? For some of you, it's your resources, but others of you, you have other gifts that you are not being generous with. And God's saying, listen, it's dying in your own hands. How about you open your hands up and give it to somebody else? Use what God has given you for the benefit of other people. We go on. Number four, it says, care for the poor. Proverbs says this, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. See, we, we can't just care about ourselves. And we've been called to care for those who can't, maybe can't care for themselves. We've been called to care for the marginalized, the widow, the orphan. What are we doing? Are we leveraging our resources for the benefit of another? That's what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. We go on, and this is, I think, is the most important one. Trust God. Trust God. Proverbs 3, 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. I say this all the time. Money is an opportunity to trust God. It's an opportunity to trust God. And this is why we challenge people here at our church, we challenge people toward the tithe. What is a tithe? See, the normal way, the normal paradigm is that, hey, if I've got some leftovers, I'm gonna give a little something to God or I'm gonna give a little something to some nonprofit somewhere. That's what I'm gonna do. But we challenge people toward the tithe, which is what? It's to give 10% to God first. And we do it when? First. We don't give the leftovers. It's not like, oh, if there's any leftovers, I'll give it. No, we say, God, I'm going to give you the first, like the first fruits of my crop, the best I get, the very first thing I get, and I'm going to trust that you're going to provide everything else. See, it puts our finances in, it orients our finances in such a way that we're truly operating in trust before God. My God is not my money. It's not my resource. It's not my income. It's not my, my, my paycheck. That is not my God. That's not my source. That's not my foundation. My foundation is God. And so God, I'm going to give to you first and say, God, I trust you and I entrust my life to you. That's what it looks like to tithe. And so for some of us, that's the, that's the challenge. It's like we've been in that posture, but I will say this, that the season that we're in right now, um, the season that we're in right now is a bit challenging, right? 
Like financially, it's a bit challenging. When everything costs more, it just costs more. (laughs) We don't have as much money as maybe we've had before. And here's the tendency in those moments. Oftentimes the tendency is to to say, well, God, I, I, now's not a good time to, tr- to trust you. Now's not a good time to give the tithe. Like, I'm gonna maybe pull back a little bit. And it's possible some of you have gotten in that state where you're like, you pull back. Now, I'm gonna say this. I say this all the time. I'm not telling you this because I think this is happening, because I've seen this happening, because I don't know what any of you give, right? I say this all, if you're a new guest here, I've never once looked at the finances and I never will of, of what people give around here. I don't wanna know what you give because I wanna pastor people, not dollar signs, Okay, I'm never gonna look to see. So you never have to feel like, oh, Greg knows what I'm giving. I don't know what you're giving. I don't care. But hear this. During seasons like this, it's very easy to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull back. And as I was thinking about this this week, I wrote this sentence down and it, it's just this. If I only trust God when it's easy, then my trust is actually in my circumstance, not God. And so I'm just saying this because it's possible there's somebody who's, Your faith is being compromised right now because you've ceased to trust in God and you've gotten to a posture that says, you know, I'm I'm trusting in my money. And so I'm not gonna give God first. I'm gonna just, if there's any leftovers, I'll give it. And I'm gonna challenge somebody this morning. The greatest step of faith may be that. It may be what you give in an offering bucket more than what you sing on Sunday mornings. That step of saying, God, I trust you. I'm gonna trust you with my, you are my foundation. You are my rock in every circumstance, all right? It's an opportunity to trust God. All right, so here's the, just the do's and don'ts. Uh, Proverbs got a lot of this stuff, but I know if you look at this, you're like, man, that's overwhelming. There's a lot of things there. And so to kind of give a little bit of a specific, I've got a challenge uh, for us this morning, and I have an opportunity to learn a little bit more, and I've got a guest who's going to help me with that. Uh, I met Todd and his wife, Barb, uh, about a year ago. I had a chance to meet them, hear a little bit of this story. I heard about their passions. I heard about their experience and uh, really how God had gifted them and given them some tools that are beneficial to us as a congregation. Some of those tools have already been left. And so we're going to share a little bit about that. Would you give it up for my friend, Todd Seip? Awesome. So good to have you up here, Todd. Uh, why don't you just take a moment. Would you introduce yourself a little bit to, to everyone here? Sure. Todd Seip. Um, we've been attending Zoe for about a year and a half. Uh, married 39 years to my wife, Barb, out there. And uh, we've been blessed with four children, all adult age. Three of them are married and double blessed with four grandkids. It's awesome. Uh, so life is good. Um, spent all of my career in banking, 42 years in banking, and I retired a couple years ago. Crazy, crazy. So, uh, so you're retired from banking, but you still like to work with people and their money. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, consider myself a recovering banker. <laughs> yeah. um, I still like talking about money. That Crazy. Tells you, that tells you how much room I, work I, I have to do here. But um, the, the truth is, uh, God's called me to do this. Uh, and I say that uh, humbly because um, I was blessed being part of two great organizations. One was owned by a foundation. The other was a cooperative owned by members who happen to be Christian. So I have a very different perspective on banking and uh, I, I just got to witness and, and, and witness the stress that people had with their money and I think it can help but it really became a calling uh, two and a half years ago I was preparing for retirement um, checked all the boxes of what I needed to do to, to, to be ready to retire but there was something that was still stirring at me and, and, and the question was what am I going to do after I retire what's my purpose what's my mission and I was really struggling with that I, I Struggled with it for literally months. Uh, and uh, in January of, of 2020, it was a Monday morning, 2.45 in the morning, wide awake. And I just couldn't sleep. 
And I literally yelled to God, not, <laughs> not audibly. I didn't want to wake my wife up, but <laughs> at the top of my mind, I, I, I yelled to God. I said, what do you want me to do? Because I knew I needed to retire, and I knew I needed to get to my third act here. And uh, God simply said, Todd, he said, I've given you these experiences and these skills. I've connected you with these people. Put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And I literally got up and wrote what now has become the foundation of a nonprofit that Barb and I are setting up called Financial Purpose. Um, our goal is to bring a new conversation of money uh, with Christians all across the country based on biblical wisdom. And we're developing curriculum and material to support small groups and workshops inside of churches. It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, when I started to hear, when Todd kind of brought some of this stuff to me, uh, I was really excited about it, and I, and I was really intrigued by it. And we actually, last year, we launched a, a small group uh, who ran through this, and many of the people that were involved were just blown away. It was life-changing, the, the experience they had. I personally started to hear what was going on, and I'm like, I reoriented my finances completely around this model because it was something that could actually be lived out. It was, it was functional. It was helpful. It actually made things easier. And then many of you might have been, I know there was about 60 or so of you that joined us for a workshop that we did last January where Todd shared some of these principles uh, with, uh, with a group, and, and many of them were able to step into just a new opportunity with that. And, so, and then this past year, we, you know, Todd came to me and was like, hey, Greg, I think we need to write a book around some of this stuff. And so, so I joined Todd and kind of helped him write a book, trying to take these principles uh, because I do see the blessing of this and uh, say, how can we actually make this available for others to be able to impact their lives? And so, so why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, the stuff that you share, like God, God's given you this stuff over years and years and years. What's kind of the foundation for all this stuff? As, as I went into this, I, I realized that if, if people are going to actually, uh, it's going to make an impact, a difference in their lives. We, we've got to, we've got to talk about the heart and the mind. And so much financial literacy that's out there today teaches the mind, but not the heart. And so true behavior change never takes place because you don't change your heart. And so we've, we've taken our material and broke it down into two main sections. Uh, the first section is called foundations. And it's all about how to seek the word of God around this topic of money. Yeah. How do we trust? And then how do we follow God's will with our money? And so we, we've got to get right with that first before mm -hmm. we talk about the mind, right? To teach yeah. the mind. And the second part of this is, is called the fundamentals. And uh, if you take all the scripture in, in the Bible, there's about 2,500 verses around money and Bible <laughs> and, and money and possessions. And, and if you take them, you can boil them down into to four or five key principles. And so we've taken four of those and created fundamentals with them. And I think I've got it on the screen here. Um, here are the four fundamentals that if you read all those, and, and you, can, you can actually sort them by these categories. The first is spend less than you make. The second one is save with purpose. The third is beware of debt. And the fourth is, above all, uh, give cheerfully. And what, what I love about uh, God's wisdom is it's, it's just so simple and straightforward. Doesn't it make sense? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it make sense? But we're all challenged uh, every day with the message that the culture gives us. So if you take these four and compare them to what culture is saying, you know, God says spend less than you make. Culture sends, says spend everything and more. God says save with purpose. Culture says why save when you can borrow. God says beware of debt. Culture says borrow as much as you can. God says above all give cheerfully. And culture says give if there's anything left over. And the problem is, culture's winning. I mean, I'll throw a couple stats at you. I'm, I got a bunch of them, but I'm yeah. only going to give you two today. Um, first off, three or four people in this, uh, three or four people in this country, 
live paycheck to paycheck. They spend everything they have. And, and combine that with 70% of people in this country have little to no savings. So they don't have any margin for any kind of financial hiccups. And, and so the reality is, and I've witnessed firsthand, that stress has a major impact on people's lives. It impacts their health, it impacts their marriage, it impacts their family. Yeah, yeah. And it, we talked earlier about this whole idea of generosity. And, and the, the fact is a lot of people want to be generous. They just don't feel like they're in a financial place where they even can. Because if most people are living paycheck to pay, you don't even have margin to be able to do that. And so it requires you to actually make a change to even do some of the things that you want to be able to do. And so, uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about uh, just this idea of spending. Let's take the, the first one, the spend less than you make. Why don't you talk a little bit about that one? Spending is at the top for a reason. Yeah. It's the number one thing you get handle of before you can actually do the other ones. And so uh, where in the Bible does it say spend less than you make? <laughs> well, if you turn to Proverbs 21.20, it's pretty clear. The wise man saves, the foolish man spends everything he has. It's actually a twofer, right? Yeah, covers, yeah. <laughs> the first two. It covers both of the spending and the savings. Uh, but it really plays out every day in how people manage their money. And as a banker, I, I get to witness this firsthand. And it looks something like this. Most people have one checking account, and that's where they manage all their money. All their money comes in, and it goes out throughout the month. You pay bills, uh, you pay your debts, you, you maybe run to the grocery store, you go out to eat, you have some entertainment thrown in there. And it's really hard to kind of keep track of where you are throughout the month. Anybody feel that way? It's really tough, isn't it, if you have one checking account where it's all in there. And, and so what we do in this first chapter around spending is we teach a principle called understanding the difference between commitments and spending. Because not all of your money is spendable, right? You have commitments that you have to honor. If you have a mortgage payment, you <laughs> That's better a commitment. make your, your loan payment. Um, if you have utility bills, you better pay them. But what we do is we teach people that there are commitments and then the rest can be spent. And there's three kind of commitments that you actually have. There's a commitment to God. You've already talked about that, right? Yeah. Give of the first fruits. Giving is a, should be the number one commitment. The next commitment is to yourself. You should actually set some money aside for your savings, right? The wise man saves. And so whether it's saving for a down payment of the house or vacation or your kids' at college, there's lots of reasons to save, but, but that's a commitment you need yeah. to make to yourself. And then you have commitments to all the other people. It's your debts and your bills that you have to pay. And once all those commitments are set aside, literally set aside and you set aside money to do that, you can uh, live kind of guilt-free in spending what you have left because you've honored your commitments first. Yeah. Yeah, the, the structure that he's, he's laid out is really taking these principles, which are God's principles, in a way that's practical. And so the system actually is three checking accounts and a savings account. So it requires having a few more accounts, but by doing that, you're setting things up in a way that becomes healthy and, and more manageable for you in, a, in an ongoing basis. And so, so why don't you, uh, you know, you've worked with a lot of couples in this system that's, that's kind of changed their life. Why don't you talk a little about, about what that looks like and how that's helped people? God, God has given us so much great wisdom to live a better life, but, but we need to be able to trust God and, and follow God. And the best example I can give is to tell you about Ann and Drew. Um, I was speaking at a church, actually, and, and Ann came up afterwards and said, hey, can I meet with you? And it, it, was, it was a tough conversation. We, we, we sat down, and she kind of unfolded what was going on in her life. Uh, recently married, they had a kid. They had, she had dreams, right? She had dreams of her career and a house and wanted more kids. 
but financially, they weren't on the same page. Financially, they weren't doing well. She was actually worried about their marriage. And, uh, and so we agreed after the first meeting that Drew needs to be at the table. And so uh, the second meeting, uh, Drew and Ann came in, and she was really nervous. I could, I could tell she was nervous about having yeah. Drew there, and he didn't want to be there. <laughs> you, you ever meet with someone, and you just know they don't want to <laughs> even be in the room? She dragged him along, right? Yeah. And his body language and his verbals, uh, everything was yes or no. But, but we started to talk about you know, God's wisdom. And we started talking about commitments and savings goals and spending, and, and I showed him the framework. Literally, we put the framework out, and they started to fill in the, in, in the box all the all their commitments and the likes, and it was just amazing. At at the end, by the end of the meeting, Drew was at the edge of his chair. He was engaged in the conversation. I actually got to back out of the conversation, and the two of them kind of took over and started having a very positive conversation about the, what they want to do with their money. And uh, there's there's really three lessons to be learned from that for every couple. Number one, you, you both got to be engaged. It's not fair to have one person manage all the money. I get to be the oh, I guess I, I get to be the spender, and 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 you're the wet blanket to to tell me no that we don't have the money. So both people have to be engaged to understand where your money's going. Secondly, complete transparency. Uh, if you can't talk about money, there becomes issues of of transparency. And what a great way to ruin trust if you can't actually have an open conversation about your money. And then, and then thirdly, you got to have a framework to talk about the money. Don't talk about transactions. I mean, fighting about transactions is no fun. My wife and I, our first fight 39 years ago was about money. She needed career apparel and I wanted a pair of golf shoes. And guess who won that conversation? <laughs> Nobody did. Um, and we, we set up our framework after that fight. We literally said, let's not fight about money. So we created this framework and we've perfected it over time. But we want to share that with people. Yeah. And uh, and so um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to just close though. Yeah. Two years after I met with Ann and Drew. Yeah. I got a phone call. They wanted to meet, and I mm -hmm. thought for sure they were going to come back in to kind of reset their plan. Often when people put a plan together, there, there's financial hiccups, right? You you have an emergency. You you have um, a health issue. You have you know your car breaks down. Whatever. People fall off their plan, right? And uh, I thought for sure. Okay, we're going to reset their plan. And, and I just want to tell you, they walked in, and I've never seen two more joyous people. Huh. Uh, they, they just wanted to say, come in and say thank you. They, they actually had an appointment to, to close on their first house that they were buying. Uh, you know, Drew came up, and he shook my hand. He says, you know, you changed your life. You changed your marriage. Um, he said, we've been able to save. We're down payment on a house. We are debt-free three years earlier than, than what our plan was. Wow. And so by following God's wisdom, there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah. Yeah, for all so, of us. So good. Yeah, and I, I would guess that there's people in the room that are feeling that right now. You're feeling like, oh, is there, is it, could it get any better? Is there any way to actually have health? And I would just say there is. It just requires a step. If we keep going where we're going, we're just going to keep getting what we're getting. And so can we make a change? Can we make a pivot? And so what we want to do is provide the opportunity. As I said, the, the principles that are fundamentals laid out are straight out of Scripture, but we still have to know how to apply them day to day. What does this look like? And this framework that, that he's developed is just really powerful. As I said, we've, we've moved our finances that way, and, and it's something I think would benefit everyone. And so this September, September 24th, 
Open your phone, calendar, whatever it is, September 24th from 9 to 11 a.m. We're doing another financial purpose workshop right here, okay? And it's an opportunity. You can literally pull out your phone right now and register. Registration is open on our Church Center app or on our website. Go get yourself registered. If you're struggling in your finances, this would be something worth stepping into. Uh, Don't just talk about the problem. Start talking about a solution. If you're already in a healthy place, I would encourage you, this is still something good. Again, at 40 years of age, we started to make a little bit of a pivot and things, and it's even healthier than it's been in the past. I think this is something that can be beneficial for everyone. And so we want to encourage you. We want to create opportunities. We can't force you to, to do better in your finances, but this is an opportunity. If you take advantage, I guarantee you, you will see a transformation in your finances, all right? Can you give it up for Todd as he grabs a seat? Thanks so much, Todd. So uh, lots of ways that we can respond. There's so many, many of you, maybe your, your step from this is one of the, you know, five do's or five don'ts that we've already talked about. There might be a step for you, but I always like to have a big so what, big so what, what's the point of this thing? If you take one principle away, I think it's this this morning. Money is a revealer. Money is a revealer. What do I mean? If you aren't very organized, your money will reveal it. If your life is just a little chaotic, I guarantee you, you look at your money, it'll prove that, okay? You might, you might say, well, I, I'm not very intentional. I bet you your money would reveal that. Look at your money. Where do you put your money? It'll reveal it. There's also some things when it comes to faith. You might ask yourself, I feel like I'm generous. Am I really generous? Your money will reveal it. There's a lot of times we think things about ourselves. Yeah, I eat healthy. Then we look at what we've eaten the last week. We're like, I don't eat healthy at all. The same thing is true in our money. You might say, yeah, I'm generous. I give. Okay, look at your finances. Look at your account. You'll know whether or not you're actually generous. In the same way, you might say, man, do I really trust God? I think I trust God. Your money will reveal it. Is there anything in your money that indicates that you actually have your trust in God? Or does he just get the leftovers and if there's, there's something there, maybe I'll give him something. But there's other questions we can ask. We, we talk about this. Do you prioritize God's kingdom over your own? Is he, you say, man, I live for your kingdom, God. It's all about your kingdom. It's not about building my kingdom. Your money will reveal it. Where's your money going? What are you investing in? Are you investing only in your own kingdom or are you investing in God's kingdom, in eternal things? You know, do you, do you give to things like kingdom builders where we're able to see, you know, 1,200 people in Thailand come to faith and get baptized? Are you investing in that kind of stuff or, or not? Your money will reveal it. And the last one is this. It's the phrase we've talked about over and over in the book of Proverbs. It's the fear of the Lord. Remember? You might say, do I fear the Lord? Do I have the fear of the Lord in my life? And we said, what is the fear of the Lord? This word fear means what? It's to submit, right? It's a submission. It's a recognition that there's one greater than me and I'm going to submit to him. Do I fear the Lord? Your money will reveal it. It's an area in your life where you get to say, okay, God, are you the one that I trust? Are you the one that I'm looking to? Do I go into your word and say, go through the Proverbs and say, okay, what have you said? The do's and the don'ts. Am I trying to do those things? Is my money revealing this fear of the Lord? Or does my money reveal, you know what? I'm kind of in rebellion in this area of my life. A lot of us can be, can be guilty of this. We have that moment. I think I shared it uh, months ago, this whole idea of an exempt box. So a lot of us have something we put in the exempt box, this area of our life that we say, God, I submit to you in every area of my life except this one. And I think for a lot of us, money can be that area. We, might, we want to give God a little bit, but, but I don't want you to have full control of this thing. So the question is, 
what are we going to do? What is our money revealing? Now, when you look at your money, uh, how you relate to your money today will reveal where you are really at today. Not where you think you are, not where you hope you are. It'll reveal where you really are today. But here's the good news. If you don't like where you are, you can change. If you don't like what your money's telling you, then you can make a pivot. You can't change the past. We've all got mistakes in the past, right? We've all made the purchase we regret. We've all done the thing that we wish you didn't did financially. You've maybe got some challenges. You might have to overcome some, some things from the past, but you can begin a new journey today. You can start walking a new direction, but it doesn't happen by burying your head in the sand. It doesn't happen by like, I'm gonna hope things get better. No, it's saying, God, I'm gonna start today to do something totally new and I'm gonna walk in a new direction. And if you do that, step after step, remember week two, we talked about diligence. Diligence, many small steps in the same direction. If you begin to take many small steps in the same direction financially, in a few years, you could see a total transformation. And will you start that, all right? And so I wanna take a moment to respond and give God an opportunity to speak to our hearts because maybe he wants to speak something clearly to your hearts. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room? And I wanna encourage you right now to just simply ask, Holy Spirit, is there something you need to speak to me in this area of my life? Is there an area in my life financially where where maybe there's things I'm doing I shouldn't be doing? Maybe there's things I shouldn't be doing, right? There's maybe things that I'm missing out on. God, God, would would you speak to me? Lord, what is it you're asking of me? God, am I really trusting you? Am I really prioritizing your kingdom? Are those the things? God, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, we come to you um, because we want to be complete followers of Christ. We don't want to be partial followers of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray right now in, in every one of our lives, God, that you would reveal the areas where maybe we're withholding, we're holding on to ourselves, and we want to do things our way. God, I pray that you would reveal that to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to step in obedience and submission to you in whatever you're asking of us. God, maybe there's some things we need to cut out of our life. There's some things we need to add to our life. There's some adjustments we need to make. There's some pivots we need to make in our finances. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would help us to have complete submission in our financial life, Lord. And Lord, I pray right now for those. There are those in our congregation who have gone through something really hard, and right now they're struggling, and they need, they need you. God, I pray, it says in Scripture, you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And God, I'm asking that you would bring provision, supernatural provision. God, you would bring the wisdom to deal with it, but God, you would bring provision. Lord, I pray for those who, who maybe, if they're honest, they've been acting in rebellion. God, I pray today would be an opportunity of repentance, to turn from that, to say, God, I want to come and surrender to you. Maybe for some who maybe have just gotten a little sloppy. They've gotten a little sloppy in their finances. They've gotten a little sloppy in the things that they're buying, the way that they're spending their money. It's gotten a little sloppy and things have gotten out of hand. Maybe they've gotten sloppy in areas of tithing and said, God, eh, I'll just do it when it's convenient. God, whatever that is, Lord, I pray that you would help bring some, some intentionality again, Father. God, to prioritize the things that you say are important and that the finances would look different. God, I pray that we all would do something different today. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen, I wanna give you two very specific challenges today because this is one of those messages. It's not like, oh, you know, we can just talk about it. We gotta do something with it, all right? So there's two challenges for you. First is this, sign up for the Financial Purpose Workshop, okay? There are many of you I know that would benefit from this. And so here's an action step. You don't gotta wait a month to get registered. You can go register yourself today. Come be a part of this uh, opportunity. Take your phone out and register right now if you want to. The second thing is this is look at your bank account and ask, what is this revealing? I'm not telling you what to do yet. You're gonna have to listen to, you know, there may be some step you need to take, but at least ask the question. Sometime today, later this week, 
pull out your bank statement. I know it's painful. Pull it out and just scroll through it a second and see, what's this telling me about my finances? What is this whole thing kind of showing me? Is there something I need to do? Is there a change I need to make where I could step into a healthier way in my life? Again, God's desire isn't to suck the fun out of life. His desire is blessing for your life. He designed you. He wants what's best for you. Will we heed his wisdom in our lives? Amen. Would you stand with me across the room? If you're here this morning, you need prayer in any way. I would encourage you to come receive prayer. Our uh, prayer team will be down here. Uh, They would love to pray with you. Uh, But for everyone else, I I just encourage you this week, let's step out. Let's live this thing out. Let's find what does God want. Let's do it, okay? We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday.